horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thank you for joining us once again here on Winning Ponies. have two veteran guests for you. I hope everybody is doing well. Everybody's uh, avoiding the influenza. Uh, got my shot uh, this week. I know it's kind of late out of the gate, but what else is new? Two uh, fun and interesting uh, guests uh, tonight. The uh, uh, first guest is going to be Ron Paolucci. If you've been keeping an eye on racing, uh, you've heard that name uh, Pretty much over the last couple of years, I got to know him when he was just racing uh, horses on the Ohio racing scene, of which he had horse of the year last year, and looks like he's going to repeat this year, and will also probably win a couple divisions with his fillies. But uh, Ron Paolucci has just, uh, you know, gone to the top, where uh, at 32-1, to uh, he uh, saw his Rhea Antonio get moved up to first in the $2 million Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. And it's just been gravy ever since then. He is a very hardworking guy, though. He has a very keen eye for slightly older horses. Not all the time. He's got a couple of young Ohio-bred Phillies that uh, have just reeled off consecutive wins and stakes wins. Uh, but uh, the horses he's best known for are his, his older males uh, that he's had great success with in winning uh, graded stakes races. And uh, he uh, is going to be on the biggest stage in racing in as far as money is concerned in the $16 million Pegasus Cup. But uh, it looks like uh, he is going to partake in it for the second straight year, but he has not one but two entrants in War Story, who I believe ran fourth last year, and Sharp Azteca. Uh, so, uh, Ron Paolucci, we're going to find out a little bit more about these slots and, and how it works down there, uh, because I think both horses are coming in under under different circumstances. And uh, the gentleman who will be uh, calling that Pegasus is none other than Pete Aiello, who I had the joy of working with for several years in the announcer's booth. And uh, he's, he's from South Florida, so he landed his perfect job. You remember I interviewed him a couple of years ago now when he got the job out at Oaklawn. But when the, the job uh, came up at Gulfstream, he just couldn't pass it up. I first uh, met Pete back at the University of Arizona Racetrack Industry Program. Uh, I was uh, working with the uh, turf publicist at the time, and Pete and I hit it off right away. Uh, he's really good at quarter horse racing, but everybody uh, that knows him and has listened to him at Gulfstream Park uh, says how much he has uh, just developed into one of the top young race callers in the country. And the reason we brought Pete in is not to just congratulate him on his race calling, but you're going to really enjoy handicapping Gulfstream Park. They got some really good races. This is Sunshine Millions Week. So we're going to kick it off with a $200,000 Sunshine Millions Classic. Then we're going to move on to the Sunshine Millions Turf. Uh, from there, we're going to uh, look at the Sunshine Millions Philly and Mare Turf. And we're going to end it up with 
the Millions Sprint, which features XY Jet. What a beast this gelding has turned into. Uh, earner of 860000 now, but what a career. 18 starts, 7 wins, 6 seconds, and 2 thirds. So this is a, you know, a week out from the big Pegasus day. What a card that's going to be. I'm sure we'll uh, get some advice from Pete as to who we should grab uh, for for uh, that edition of Winning Ponies. So uh, looking forward to this week and next week down at Gulfstream Park. Of course, we'll uh, look at the races that we handicapped last week with Bob Railbird Roberts. Okay, well, speaking of the Pegasus, you can't uh, talk about that without talking about Gunrunner. And uh, he had his last work at the fairgrounds. And it was uh, just four days ago. And Steve Asmussen said he can best describe it as appreciative. Uh, that not just the work, but the horse's career. Appreciative of the multiple grade one winners. Appreciative of his ability to do things so easily. And he was very appreciative of the track's condition for his final work. Uh, th- this will be it. Uh, he's going to go out, uh, you know, hopefully on top. And uh, then he's going to go off uh, to a stud fee. So uh, a major workout uh, was... Uh, down there and way down yonder in New Orleans, just steady fractions, 12 and 3, 24 and 2, 36 and 1. Most people think that was a great work, but then he went on to 48 and 1, 59 and 2, under a minute before galloping out seven furlongs at 123 and 4, and the mile and 137 would win most races uh, in North America. So Asmussen just said that he thought he went beautiful today. Uh, the racetrack was perfect, and uh, so was the, uh, the the way he went about it. So Asmussen, you know, he's had Gunrunner throughout his career. He's five grade one victories, uh, rounded out his three-year-old campaign with his first grade one in the Clark and the next year went back for the Stephen Foster handicap. What a gorgeous son of Candy Ride. And I'm sure he is going to be very popular at the stud barn. So a gun runner is flying into Fort Lauderdale as we speak. Now, we're going to have a girl in the game, Stellar Wind. Uh, she's been working strong for the Pegasus. She worked a strong five-eighths and galloped out a very strong three-quarters, according to Chad Brown. Five furlongs, one minute, four-fifths. Now, this was at the Palm Meadows uh, Training Center. Now, I hope you recall, Stellar Wind was purchased uh, by Michael Magnier for $6 million just at the November sale, just days after finishing a troubled eighth in the Breeders' Cup Distaff at Del Mar. Now, she's a daughter of Curlin, so we know she can get the distance. She's really good looking. She's won 10 of her 16 career starts, more than $2.2 million. So uh, the champion three-year-old filly of 2015 will be representing Coolmore in the second running of the Pegasus World Cup. So uh, let's see, uh, West Coast is coming in, uh, latest work. Uh, West Coast uh, will probably win the Eclipse Award as outstanding three-year-old male, worked six furlongs in a bullet 112 at Santa Anita, and that was four days ago. He's a son of Flatter. Uh, he was clocked in 112 and won the fastest of 26. Comes from the Bob Baffert barn. Uh, Drayden Van Dyke aboard for the drill, and uh, 
felt really good. He said, because usually he's a lazy horse in the morning, but he wasn't today. He says he's going to breeze one more time uh, and then ship to Florida pretty close to the race. And that's shipping until the 24th. He's got a record of 6-2-1 and one from nine career starts and have earned just over $2 million. So uh, trying to keep track of the uh, Pegasus horses. It's not easy. They worked all over. Uh, Sharp Azteca and Gunavera uh, breezed uh, on the 13th at Gulfstream Park West. Now, we're going to hear a lot about those horses uh, from Ron Paolucci, so I'm not going to spill all the beans, but all I can say is that uh, they... uh, feel that uh, both horses went very sharp and were very happy. Uh, War Story was also on the work tab, and he shaded just under a minute. So Ron uses a lot of different uh, angles and a lot of different trainers. It's going to be interesting to see what he says about his chances uh, in the Pegasus. Uh, he's uh, quite the guy. So, like I said, he's got uh, two Pegasus entries, and some people are saying he was even thinking about looking at a third one. So uh, we're, we're going to find that out here in just a few minutes. Now, Fear the Cowboy is going to go in the Pegasus World Cup. Uh, Fear the Cowboy is a Florida bred. A lot of people thought he would be in one of the millions races, uh, but that's not the case. He just came out of a win in the Harlan's Holiday. So uh, he will be taking on some of the toughest uh, competition that he's ever had. Uh, He's going to run for the partnership of Stronach Stables and Ronald and Jerry Frankel. He's a six-year-old son of Cowboy Cal, but he is going to be taking on the big boys next Saturday for sure. Uh, the news is out now that the multiple grade one winner Lady Eli is in fact officially retired. So uh, the six-year-old mare by Divine Park, who won 10 times from 14 starts, will uh be uh, going to the breeding shed. She earned just under $3 million for her career. Just amazing, amazing story, of course, that her comeback after laminitis. She was in critical condition. A lot of people didn't think she'd come back. Uh, she came right back taking the flower bowl uh, in October. And then if you look at her career, she hardly, if you add up her losses, <laughs> except for the time she got all cut up in the Breeders' Cup, uh, she only lost by about a length. So uh, good luck to Lady Eli. I'm sure she'll be doing just fine uh, making babies Uh as will a grade one winner, It Tis Well, who's been retired from racing. And it looks like It Tis Well is going to go to the court of the great sire Tappet. So uh, she will be no longer on the track. And multiple grade two winner Miss Sky Warriors retired. And she is going to the court of American Pharaoh. So that's what's happened with the big horses coming off the uh, the track. A race we didn't have a chance to handicap. We were going to handicap it closer to the first of the year. The race was moved because of weather was the Jerome Stakes, and the Jerome Stakes was won by Fearon's Fire. It was a sloppy day there, but uh, got the job done 12 days after he was supposed to do it. Odds-on favorite, covered the mile in 142-4 and four on the muddy track. And don't forget, he got points for the road to the Kentucky Derby there, giving him a total of 20, and he ranks second on the Kentucky Derby leaderboard. So uh, the Jerome... Uh, was a race that happened in New York on a new schedule. So uh, 
we also had a race last week that uh, had derby points, and that was the uh, Lecompte uh, from the fairgrounds. And the upset, or, or no, no, the, the legitimate winner, the horse I like, uh, and still regard, uh, you know, we said that McKenzie came out and won the sham stakes after that race. He only missed by three quarters of a length to McKenzie. So Jerry Hollendorfer made the trip worth it. The slight favorite, though, was Principe Galermi. I got the name from John G. Dooley right there. Uh, he did run in the second spot, but in still regard, uh, won by three and a half. Was very impressive. And so was his selling price, $1,050,000 down in the Ocala March sale. So he looked awful good as a young two-year-old. In the third spot was Snapper Sinclair at 28 to 1. Also at the fairgrounds, now this one didn't have Oaks points, but pretty soon it'll be running in the uh, nice Oaks races down there. It was upset time in the Silver Bullet Day. Stronger than ever, lasted by a head over Wonder Godot, who took over on the turn. Stronger than ever, sent away at 33 to 1. Never dismiss. Kenny McPeak, when he goes into a big race, got the job done right there. Wonder Godot, second and third, was missive. I'm sure we'll see them back in the uh, Fairgrounds Oaks. Rachel Alexandra, call it what what you like. Also uh, looked at two races from Gulfstream. It was the Marshua's River that went to Ulta Brat. This was the speed against the, the Tortoise, and the Tortoise ran second. That was Dream Dancing. And then we also looked at the uh, grade two Fort Lauderdale. The winner in there, I love it, Shiny Copper, who used to be a rabbit for Big Blue Kitten, was able to uh, throttle down his speed under Jose Ortiz, uh, had the lead, got caught by one go, all go, a 30 to one shot, almost got it, but Shiny Copper came back. He's a rabbit no more, great game, harnesses speed, basically Kind of wire to wire without just a head bob there at the 16th pole. All right, that's a look at the major news and uh, th- catching you up on the Pegasus, but we're going to hear it right from the horse owner's mouth, Ron Paolucci, on what's going on down there at Gulfstream Park in the Pegasus Stakes. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Streaming live, 
the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, as I told you at the top of the show, Ron Paolucci, a uh, guy that uh, started out as a horse player uh, from Stowe, Ohio. He uh, did his early handicapping up in the Cleveland area, uh, going to the races with his dad, obviously became a good handicapper, started in the game with claimers, and ended up winning the Breeders' Cup. And uh, Ron has a big fan club, the president of his fan club. I'm on Facebook with him, and that is Ron's father. Ron Paolucci, how's your dad doing? You know, he's, uh, I think he might've turned the corner. He seems like he's doing better. He, uh, he, he had a rough February through December and, uh, I, I think they found the right medication for him to help him with some of the issues that he has. And, uh, the last couple of weeks have been, have been way better than the last few months. So we're, we're optimistic that, that, uh, he'll be back in the saddle at Thistledown when, when the doors open and, uh, you know, there every day. And I, I hope to see him this year at the Ohio Banquet. We missed him last year, and, and therefore we missed most of your family. Uh, we're, as you know, uh, you, you definitely took home a few things to put on your mantle, and uh, I got a feeling uh, you, you better leave your trunk empty when you show up this year. <laughs> yeah, you know, he was real. That, that was probably the worst time of the year for him. That he, he had just, you know, he was really sick and, he, believe me, he wanted to go. You just ask him. He's the brains behind Luch Racing. He's, he handles everything, and, uh, you know, he, he, he likes to go. He would love to have been there and, and you know, accepted the, the trophies. And and believe me, I wish he would have been there as well because that means he would have been feeling better. But uh, I, I got a feeling you'll probably see him this year. Great. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, boy, he watches you like you watch other guys' horses because right after a win, I'll go up on Facebook and he's talking about, you know, what the horse did, you know, at, at whatever level. You know, I've, I've seen you in, in recent weeks win $5,000 claimers and, you know, I've, I've seen you win, uh, you know, $150,000 stakes races. So you, you still play the game at every level, Ron. You know, and uh, honestly, maybe I was put in this game to help my dad get through his sickness because honestly, he, without the horses to get up and look forward to that I run, I'm not sure he would have made it through the last six or seven months. He was that down, that sick. And there was days where, you know, the only thing that got him up were, were the entries of where I was running. And so, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, that, that I think it really helped get him through it. And, it was really the only thing other than the family that he had to look forward to. And, and, uh, you know, for all he's done for me, I'm happy that that's something I can do for him. Well, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a great game, and uh, I'm, I'm glad that, uh, that it's inspiring him uh, back to his health. Well, uh, I, I, 
got to try to figure out. I'm trying to figure out this whole Pegasus thing, uh, not just from your perspective, but from the whole way that it's set up. Can, can you kind of sharpen the picture for us a little bit? Uh, I understand you've secured two Pegasus entries, but then I thought I saw a headline that says maybe eyeing a third. Can you break it down for us? Yeah, I'll do the best I can. Um, it's you know, it's it's it, it's Frank Stronach's baby. He he wants to make this race a success. You know, it's the richest race in the his, history of racing. Um, last year, they had 12 people buy spots. This year, only nine of the 12 spots were filled. Therefore, to make the race go in, in a full field, uh, the Stronach group had to purchase the last three spots. So those of us, the nine that, that, that purchased the spots, had to put up the equivalent of a million dollars to be in the race. Um what happened was the Stronach group purchased those last three remaining spots and therefore picked three horses that they thought would best make the race as competitive as they could and gave them deals to where they didn't have to put up any money and yet shared in the purse. So for me, it's a win-win because I've got a horse that's a little bit longer odds in War Story, you know, 30 to 40 to 1. And I've got partners, so not to have to put up any money and still run for $2.6 million is a great deal. Now, being that I had already purchased a spot, um, I went out and secured what I thought was the best horse available, being uh, Sharp Azteca, uh, for my for my spot that I purchased. So, you know, while I financially are and better off if sharp ass tech of wins obviously war story is my own personal horse i i picked him out you know i've watched him run every race but his first one so i'll be rooting for war story so that that's kind of the way it works there was nine spots purchased the stronax purchased the other three spots gave the same deal to all three runners that they chose get the share in the get the share in the in the purses without having put up any money now you ask, well, how is that fair to the nine guys that purchased slots? Well, if any one of these three horses that, that didn't have to pay to get in win, half of the money goes to the nine shareholders. The strong wow. group is not making any money on the deal. So if, if War Story wins, I get an additional 330000 for my spot just because a Stronach group is not taking any, any profit from it. They're only taking their original investment back and then giving the rest of the money to the nine shareholders. So, I mean, it's a, it, it, you know, Frank Stronach doesn't get enough credit for, for, for being ingenuitive and, and really trying to help the sport. I mean, he could have kept that money for himself, but he gave it to the nine guys that put up the million dollars. So you got to well, commend him for that. Well, you know, I, I know, know you as, as a great eye for horse flesh and a sharp handicapper. How did you zone in on sharp Azteca and, like, uh, approaching the ownership and the trainer? Well, I, I think it was a process of elimination. I think it was more they came to me because I was the most aggressive. They had tried to secure other deals, but people weren't bending on what they were willing to give to have the horse in their slot. Me, I looked at it like, well, it's the best way to recoup my original investment and having upside if he wins the race. So more, most people were like, well, if I'm putting up the money, I'm not going to give the lion's share to the, to the guy that, that didn't put up the money. And I looked at it like, well, my investment's a lot of money for me. I'm probably not as wealthy as these other guys that bought spots. 
So let me try to get the best horse I could to at least make sure I get my money back. And then anything other than that is just complete and utter profit. So, you know, I looked at it more from, let me recoup my money. And these guys looked at it more from, well, I've got a lot of money and, you know, it, it was more, it was more of a pride ego thing, I guess, than what it was for me because I'm not, I'm not as financially well off. I know that sounds crazy when you're talking about a guy that put up that kind of money to run, but there's a lot of people that, you know, that kind of money to them is a drop in the bucket. To me, it's not. It's a lot of money. Yeah, you, you're not Mr. Winchell or some of the other no. ones, but no. uh, you got to admit, though, that I mean, Sharp has Tackett coming off a score in the Cigar Mile Handicap, uh, just missed in the uh, Las Vegas Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. Uh, you've got a really sharp horse there, and quite frankly, uh, if he softens them up up front, that's not going to hurt War Story, is it? I agree with you 100%. That's part of my willingness to take less money on the sharp ass tech front, because I, I think it absolutely helps war story. Um, people will say, well, it's just another good horse. You got to beat." well, yeah, but it's a good horse. I got to beat. That's going to, that's going to help soften up the other good horses. I got to beat, And without it, I couldn't beat them. <laughs> so, you know, if, if they run the same way they did in the, in the Breeders cup classic and they run around the track on 48, 112, how's war story going to get there? I mean, he ran unbelievable, into slow fractions in the Breeders' Cup Classic where nobody closed but him. Now, if we, if, you know, if we go 45 and change, 109 and change, and he shows that same kick he showed in the Classic, he's got a legitimate chance to win it, whereas I don't really think he does without Sharp Azteca in the race taking care of Gunrunner. And, and truthfully, I don't think anybody other than Sharp Azteca could make Gunrunner change his style of running. He's got to change it. If he, if, if he allows Sharp Azteca to control a slow pace, over that speed favoring surface going a mile and an eighth, he might be he might be looking at the rear end of Sharp Azteca for a mile and eighth. So he's got a he's the only horse that, that I thought in the race that could make Gun Runner actually change his tactics. Well, you know, from everything I've seen, you know, the way Asmussen's uh, bringing the horse up, I'm sure you're keeping a sharp eye out there. I mean, let's face it, I mean, could Gun Runner be any more than at the top of his game right now? I, I don't think he could. He looks fantastic. He's training fantastic. But here's the thing. You know, this draw is going to be paramount to this race. If the, if those two draw the 10 and the 11 or the 11 and the 12 with Sharp Azteca being on the outside of Gunrunner, no matter what happens, if Sharp Azteca draws outside of Gunrunner, that's going to impact the race. Because at that point, Floron Guru has got to make a decision Am I going to let this guy cross over on me, put me in a bad position, or possibly keep me in tight the whole time? Because don't think that Irad Ortiz isn't going to have an eye on, on Gunrunner if he's on the outside of him and make his life as impossible as it can, you know, within the rules <laughs> of the game. Um, if he draw, if Gunrunner draws outside, then he's got the tactical advantage. But, you know, there's going to be a lot of people hoping that those two get the 11 and the 12 hole to even out the score. And if Gunrunner draws 10, 11, or 12, he's no cinch. I don't care how good he's training you. It's like a harness race. They start right on the turn. It's like having the eight hole at Norfield Park. You know, you got to be 10 lengths the best. He's not 10 lengths the best over those horses. So it, it, it'll, be a, it'll definitely be a good equalizer if he draws out there or at least Sharp, sharp Azteca draws on the outside of him. Well, uh, Ron, you know, you, you're going to have a, a pretty uh, exciting 
next seven days, uh, what, what are your personal plans? I, I know that you've got uh, uh, business dealings everywhere and horses running everywhere. Where will you, where will you be? I'm, I'm actually, I've been in Florida. I'm going to be here. I'm going to go watch the horses all train Saturday. Um, you know, I, uh, most of my good horses that aren't laid up in Ohio, waiting for Ohio racing next year are down here. Uh, we were kind of talking off air. I had a very, very nice Ohio bred filly named Evan as my Nikki win a first level allowance at Gulfstream in, in an unbelievable fashion. I mean, just got left, checked about three or four times, got thrown into the rail and still won and won 10 and change off of a 10 week layoff uh, after a Mahoning Valley maiden breaking score. Uh, you know, not many horses break their maiden at, at Mahoning Valley and come back and win a one X like that at Gulfstream park. So she's a very special filly. I get to watch her train and, uh, I'll be down here uh, wheeling and dealing and, and, and watching the horses. I, I think I got 11 horses in Saturday. So it's oh, my fun. God. But be, <laughs> you mean be, between Ohio and Gulfstream? Yeah, I got uh, two in at Gulfstream, two at Fairgrounds, two at Tampa, four at Mahoning, and one in Santa Anita. So we're, <laughs> we're going to have a busy Saturday. Your neck's going to be sore from going from <laughs> TV to TV. Right, right. Well, Ryan, listen, it is always a pleasure uh, talking to you. I I wish you the best. Uh, As as you know, do me a favor. Don't name any more horses Mo don't know because I have to – I have to write so many stories about that horse, and it keeps auto-correcting me (laughs) because it's spelt in such a different fashion. And also, by the way, your name is Pataki. Every time I write Paolucci, it spell checks it to Pataki. I don't know why. So any story I write about you and Mo don't know takes twice as long. Let's put it this way. If I can have any horse that can win six races at three quarters, four races at a mile and a quarter, and three races at a mile and a sixteenth, I'll name them all Mo Don't Know because I've never seen a horse like that that's that versatile and can win at those kind of distances. But uh, hey, I wanted to mention one more thing for all your all your listeners. I'm yeah. giving away $100,000 for anybody that bets $10 to win on War Story on either Twin Spires, Express Bet, or at the track. They've only got to bet $10 to win to get into the drawing. And if either Sharp, Azteca, or War Story wins the race, we're going to be pulling for 100000 with the first prize of 50000 So get those bets in. Uh, well, uh, let me tell you, I'll, I'll be verifying my account for sure. Yeah, $10. <laughs> I, and, and, you get, and you get two for the price of one. That we're going to do the drawing live, and we're going to show it on Twitter. So we're going we're gonna to pull it. That is great. Now, but you just get one chance. I mean, you can't make ten two. No, you bets, can get right? as many as you want. If you bet, if you bet a hundred, you get ten shots at it. All you got, really? all you got to do is send me a picture to Ron Pellucci at yahoo.com of your wager, and when your name is pulled, I'm just going to verify it with wherever you bet it. So if you bet it at Twin Spires, I'm just going to verify that it was bet. Your name's pulled, and if you if you win the first prize, you get fifty thousand. It's fifty, twenty, and ten. And then ten one thousand dollar one thousand uh, dollar winners. So we're going to give away a hundred thousand, um, and uh, you know have some fun with it if one of those two horses win with just well, a ten dollar got- win wager on War Story only. Now um, you got to get that out in the media. This is the first I've heard of it. Have you broken that story anywhere? Yeah, yeah, it's all it's all over Twitter, man. The response has been unbelievable. Well, yeah. I'll have to get something. I was something only like going to originally do it with Express Bet and live at Golfstream, but a lot of people bet through Twin Spires, and so I talked to Ed DeRosa, and, and yeah. uh, he's happy to do it. And he tweeted it out today, and so as long as he's willing to work with me and we can verify it, that the people that are wagering get it, and 
And uh, so we added Twin Spires to it today. All right. Well, I'm in. Ron Paolucci, thanks a lot, man. You know I'll be in your corner. We'll be rooting for you. Uh, you know, anything can happen in horse racing. And uh, if Gunrunner doesn't have his best day, I hope one of your horses does. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. Anytime. All right. Uh, Ron Paolucci, originally from Stowe, Ohio, and now he's the king of the world in racing. He's everywhere. 11 horses in on one day. That's phenomenal. Well, the guy that's going to be calling his horses uh, 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 Saturday and next Saturday in the Pegasus is none other than Pete Aiello. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk to the man with the microphone, Mellow Fellow, my friend, Pete Aiello. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and with me, the mellow fellow, the man with the mic... The one, the only, Pete Aiello. I told you at the top of the show, I met him many moons ago uh, back at the uh, University of Arizona. Uh, the, the racetrack program there has uh, graduated some amazing people. Uh, people like Bob Baffert have come out of there, and now they can say people like Pete Aiello have come out of there. I swear got Pete who on the show went to school there. Oh, who did? I'm sorry, you, I broke up. You broke up there for a second. I, I was just talking about U of A, and it's just amazing how many people in the game now graduated from there. Yeah, it sure is. You said Bob Baffert, and then Todd Pletcher also graduated from there. I mean, a host of uh, racing officials graduated from there, and uh, of course, Luke Kripos, the late Luke Kripos, graduated from there. Uh, Bobby Newman, the track announcer for a long time at Calder, and now he's at Los Alamitos. He's an alumni, so it's hard to go to a racetrack in North America and not find an alumni, that's for sure. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Well, just uh, it, it attests uh, to, uh, to to the program for sure. Well, I've been having a great time listening to your calls, man. I, I knew when you first started out, you were only going to get better. You were a diamond in the rough, and the rough part's gone now, Pete. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a completely surreal experience, especially this time of year, trying to get prepared for the world's richest horse race. If you had told me at any point in my life I would call the world's richest horse race, I would have told you you were not let alone get to call the very first one and now the very second one and uh, we have some rumors that this may be the last one at Goldstream they might move it to Santa Anita for a little bit more capacity in the grandstand and if they do that then at least I can say I was the only guy to ever call the Pegasus World Cup in Florida so <laughs> well uh, Pete I don't know if uh, you, you got lit to uh, uh, listen to Ron Paolucci at all but uh, he did uh, comment on the horse you were inquiring about it sounded like that was a uh, pretty impressive uh, performance despite some uh, a troubled trip yeah it was I, i'm assuming you're talking about heaven has my nikki it was a really uh, it was a really a good run because she had only had that one race in ohio and then she broke slow from the rail which is usually death at goldstream especially sprinting and uh, she sat behind the speed and then the horse who uh, she outran through the stretch is a stakes quality of Philly in the name of Tony Ann's Miracle. So um, bigger and better things for her, and I know you know this, but she's a Buckeye bred, so I'd like to uh, get a couple of shillings on her when she goes back to the Buckeye State. Uh, yeah, well, you'll be doing it at three to five. Uh, Paolucci is unbelievable. He has come up with several horses this year. Um, he, got, he, he got one off Baffert that Baffert couldn't break the horse's maiden. Brings it to Ohio, wins five in a row, moving up the ladder. Its last race wins a stake. He finds another one called Maya's Queen Nettie. Did the same thing. The horse wasn't doing anything wherever it was. Hadn't broken its maiden. And Ohio wins four in a row, runs second in a stake, and then comes back and wins the best of Ohio. The guy's phenomenal. Yeah, he, and he's good for the game, too, because he's such a passionate guy. So we need more people like that. Well, I, I, I know that uh, we didn't get you on until the late part of the game. Uh, have you heard anything about the $100,000 he's given away on the Pegasus? No, I haven't heard anything about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you bet at Gulfstream Park or at uh, Twin Spires, uh, $10 on either of his horses and they win, he's going to have a drawing and, uh, and and give away a uh, hundred thousand dollars. I think two fifty two fifty thousand dollar winners. <laughs> that's incredible. But that's exactly what I'm talking about, right? I mean, he's so passionate about the game, and he can be innovative uh, given the success that he's had in the game. And you know, from a racetrack operator standpoint, and a guy like me who's working for the racetrack, we we need to champion those guys and, and spotlight those guys. And you know, he's not bashful about putting money through the windows either. And that's yet another great thing about him as a horse owner. Oh, I know when he's at the races for sure. <laughs> you see it. You know, I, I believe he had a hefty, I'm going to say thirty to $50,000 on Cara Maria when she won at 32 to 1 in that Breeders' Cup race. Yeah, she. Uh, I remember that day. He was, uh, that's how I knew how, uh, what, a, what a colorful guy he was. So, um, like I said, it's, it's good to have people like that in the game and uh, happy to get to call him. And I'll tell you one thing about him, and I've told him this to actually in person, uh, I never want him to change his silks because if there's a field of 10 and I don't know who nine of them are, the horse I always know is his with a bright line. <laughs> yeah, the only problem is he's got so many good horses, particularly in Ohio, sometimes there's three of them. <laughs> so. Yeah, that gets a little tricky. 
you got you got to watch those caps, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, he, he's good for the game. I'm sure this is going to leak out to the press. Right now, it's just on Twitter, but it's but it's pretty unique. And then also, uh, a lot of people don't know up at Saratoga this year. He sponsored four families that had never been to Saratoga, military with military connections, to have box seats on the finish line at Saratoga. I believe uh, one of his bigger horses was running that day. But you know, this is anything. This isn't something where he's putting out press releases and telling people he's doing it. But he did it. It, it eventually did get out. Uh, you know, he's just uh, he, he's a very colorful guy. So uh, I'm glad that he's going to be a part of the Pegasus. So tell me, what's the what, what's the you know you, you're in the inner workings down there? Is it is it getting intense? Uh, what, what are some of the big plans for that day? Well, I can tell you this: there were guys that were working overtime after the races tonight, waiting for Gunrunner to get there. He had he had shipped, and I guess it had been a bit of an ordeal for him. His plane got delayed, and uh, they were waiting for him to arrive so they could make him as comfortable as he can. So, I think by now, Gunrunner is on the property at Gulfstream Park. Yes, I did announce that he was flying in to Fort Lauderdale, but didn't know exactly what time he's going to get there. Didn't know about the plane delay, though. So we love late breaking news here on Winning Ponies. Well, uh, you know, I think you alluded a little bit about the speed on the inside at Gulfstream. Is that a good handicapping angle? Uh, usually, yes. I would say more often than not, if you're especially sprinting, if you can secure the lead, and uh, it's just and one of the things about it is, is it, don't confuse it so much for a speed bias is as much as it's just so hard to make up a significant amount of ground. And horses that are one-run deep closers don't do well because if you do win from off the pace, you have to do it in a long, sustained, grinded-out type style. So if you're a horse that can kind of kick on with the same kind of run for three-eighths of a mile, where that may not work at tracks like Belmont Park, it works great at Gulfstream, but you're not going to make up 15 or 20 lengths from the half-mile pole to the wire. It's just not going to happen. Well, I, I think that, that, that that's going to be uh, interesting in the Pegasus. Uh, Ron alluded to that. He's kind of hoping that that Gunrunner, you know, draws an outside post and doesn't get that advantage because he, he'd like to see some of those speed horses maybe change his running style a little bit. But I have to admit, Steve Asmussen's done an amazing job, and he just looks like he is coming into this race, uh, you know, looking like a million-dollar baby or should I say a $16 million baby. Well, I think that Sharp Azteca is the horse that really uh, makes the race all that more difficult on gun runner and potentially handicappers because you don't know if Sharp Azteca can go that far, but you definitely know that he's going to be offensive minded in the early part of the race. And the post is going to be real key because if you're for Lone Giroux and Steve Asmussen, you want to be drawn outside of Sharp Azteca so you can let him go and then flank him in the two path. And that's a, that's the thing that works very, very well at Goldstream, just flanking the leader while in the two path tracking and getting first run on every else, but Sharp Aztec is the key to the race because if he, for whatever reason, does draw outside of Gunrunner, Gunrunner's going to be in a world of hurt, at least from a tactical standpoint, early in the race, and I actually have hope that happens because I think the race will get far more interesting if that does happen, and maybe it's a potential for an upsetter. Absolutely. Now, ha- have all of the positions been filled to your knowledge? Yes, yes. That was, an, uh, that was earlier this week they finalized the last the last couple, and one of the horses that they 
I guess you could say supplemented or was a late entrance or was secured late in the game as a horseshoe. I'm telling you right now, John, I don't know that he can win the race. I don't know that he can even hit the board, but my money's going to be bet on him for the only thing about it is, is that he has that exact running style that I told you about that he just, he runs at the same pace the whole race. He's a quality racehorse. He loves Gulfstream Park and he's not a, he's not going to be a victim of anything. If they go fast, he'll sit farther back. If they go slow, he'll sit closer to the pace. And that's a horse named Fear the Cowboy. So anybody listening to Winning Ponies, if Fear the Cowboy hits the board, I don't want anybody to give credit to anybody but me because he heard it here first. Uh, I did mention that because I believe he just came out of a race named after one of my favorite Ohio breads of all time, the Harlan's Holiday. Yeah, he did, and he won that race, and he did it really, really well. And you know, like I said, he's a horse that's kind of got a good story because he has connections that are not high-profile connections and effort lows a junior, but he does so, so well with this horse, and he's managed him really, really well. Um, and I, you know, most people would look and go, you, you can't compare the possible horse of the year to a horse like Pierre the Cowboy. And my response to that is probably not, but the, you know, everybody doesn't have their A game all the time. And I think Fear the Cowboy more often than not brings his A game. So if he brings his A game and Gunrunner brings his B game, he's probably still not going to be anywhere close to Gunrunner. But if something were to suicidally happen, like Sharp as second and Gunrunner hook up or Gunrunner gets checked back and gets a lot of kickback in his face, who knows what could possibly happen. And I just think that from a tactical standpoint, there are far less risks if you're a Fear the Cowboy fan because he doesn't care what happens. He's going to run his race no matter what. Well, all right. Well, that's a perfect segue into the Sunshine Millions Classic uh, because it looks like perhaps the horse to fear in here is the horse that just ran second to fear the cowboy, and that's Mr. Jordan. But I see that uh, he and Richard the Great have had some great matchups uh, over their uh, their competition. But uh, certainly, um, Mr. Jordan, it's, it's uh, sad to say only a half a dozen in there. I'm sure that's why it's the f- uh, fourth race. Two hundred thousand uh, dollars, but just again, uh, narrowly beaten by Fear the Cowboys. Got to move Mr. Jordan up in most people's books because the last time he and Richard the Great met, uh, Mr. Jordan was uh, on top by eleven and a half. Well, here's the thing about Mr. Jordan, and uh, I looked at this race because I had a feeling you were going to ask me about it, and I try not to delve too deep in the handicapping too early in the game, but I looked at this race, and I saw that there was only six in there, and I tried to come up with something intelligent to say in terms of endorsing a particular horse, but when I looked at the race, I saw that the top three contenders, while they have very big resumes, and they're all very nice racehorses, I have major issues with all of them, and I can start with Mr. Jordan. Eddie Plesa Jr., who trains Mr. Jordan, will be the first person to tell you he does not like the Gulfstream Park main track. He ran right. second to Fear the Cowboy on class alone. His game is across town at Gulfstream Park West. So at a short price, I try to beat Mr. Jordan, and then you say, okay, well, who would you like to beat him with? Richard the Great? Well, I don't think Richard the Great is really in his, in his A game at two turns. So the third choice in the morning line is Jay's Way. He comes off a absolutely huge run. Uh, last time out, he was so, so game. Go back and watch that if you're handicapping this race and go back and watch how game he is. And he turned away a nice racehorse that day in Giuseppe the Great. But the question is, if you go back and watch that, it looks like he has the potential to really bounce because he was so, so good last time. Well, you know what I thought was interesting in this race with the, the horses that, you know, all, all, a lot of them have bad classes. One that's basically been running optional claimers is Catholic Cowboy, but he's the only horse to have won at the distance out, out of this whole field. The only winner at a mile and an eighth is Catholic Cowboy. 
Yeah, and that's uh, that's certainly, and you know, the thing about it is a mile and an eighth is actually a two-turn race at Gulfstream, which we don't get to run too many of, so that's yet another consideration when you look at it, especially for horses like Richard the Great that may have wanted a mile, but that's a one-turn mile, so two turns changes the complexion quite a bit. I'll tell you one, one race, not to segue away from the classic, but one race that is going to be one heck of a horse race, and it's a good old-fashioned slobber knocker, is the Sunshine Millions Turf. There okay, are let's go to that. awesome horses in that race. Yeah, well, you've got you've got two winners of the Sunshine Millions Turf in the field, albeit different years uh, in uh, in enterprising. Uh, let's see, Manchurian High won it. Oh no, uh, enterprising ran second by a neck last year. Uh, uh, Manchurian High uh, won the race back in sixteen, uh, and then uh, you've got Our Way with Jose Ortiz in the saddle down on the rail. Uh, won uh, this race last year. So yeah. you certainly got And that got doesn't some... even mention two of my favorite horses in the race who are both from the same outfit and David Fox. And one of them is a horse that I know if he had been running on a circuit where you regularly watch the races and you were you the regular guy, as it were, this would be the regular guy mascot. And that's a horse named Galleon Mast. He is <laughs> so, so good. And you know the thing about him, John? He is so, so smart. He's one of those horses that he will never win by more than a neck, but he will beat you every time. He just will do it in his style, and he'll wait for you to hook him and then rip your heart out nearing the wire. I've seen him do it three or four different times, but it makes for great, great races. Well, speaking of great races, how about great jockeys? You're down there now with these Ortiz brothers who are riding at 21%, and I read at a 28% win clip. I don't know if there's any other jockeys in North America that uh, that could claim that. Well, the thing about it is is that it's such interesting from a race-calling standpoint because they have such different styles. I rather is much more aggressive, and Jose is much more the finesse rider, at least in my opinion. I don't know if they would agree with that. Uh, I know personality-wise, Irad is the less spoken of the two. I say hi to Jose and chat with him for five or six minutes every day, and Irad will walk by and nod and shake his hair, you know, shake my hand, and then that's the end of that. So um, they're brothers, but they're definitely different competitors uh, on the racetrack. Very interesting. Well, uh, got about five minutes left. Let's move on uh, to the Philly and Mare turf. Uh, looks like two horses that float to the top here are uh, Starship Jubilee, who's closing in on uh, 300,000, loves the Gulfstream Park turf, 11 starts and six wins, whereas Daddy Boo is uh, one for three on the turf. And uh, just that the last race at Keeneland uh, w- left you with a head scratcher. I got to guess that uh, Larry Ravelli's got this horse back on its toes, but it's certainly going to be uh, heels to the field for the early part of that race because that Daddy's Boo is nothing but speed. Yeah, and the one thing about her is, is she'll stop if she gets headed. So she'll stop if she gets headed. Uh, but uh, the thing about it is, is Starship Jubilee's got to be one of the claims of the century. If you go back and look and see what they took her for over the Gulfstream turf last year and then got a grade two win about four months later. So she was amazing. But potential upsetter in there, John, I'll give it to you straight. Number two, Benita, is a potential upset winner of that race. She is a horse that is a one-run race, or she gets one run, and her jockey knows that. So she's kind of at the mercy of whatever the jockey decides that he needs to do tactically because once you start her, she can't stop her again, and then that's the end of her. So she had a terrible run last time because she had no choice but to move. If she can make that long, sustained run like she likes to do, she's a big threat. 
Yeah, she really is. And an, another one, you know, Gulfstream, it's uh, horses for course, seven starts, two wins, and two seconds. So, uh, and, and also, obviously, a, a winner on the turf. That's a Sunshine Millions filly and mare. And that's going to give you some good wagering opportunities, folks, because uh, it drew a field of 10. Well, uh, got a couple minutes left here, Pete. Let's uh, bring you on to uh, uh, Don't Blink or You'll Miss It. And that is. Uh, the uh, Sunshine Millions Sprint, and let's face it, XY Jet, this horse is phenomenal. 18 lifetime starts, seven wins, six seconds, uh, two thirds. Uh, just missed going over to Dubai last year. Uh, but uh, again, horse for course, loves Gulfstream. 10 starts, four wins, four seconds, and a third. Simply put, if he runs his race, they're running for second money. XY Jet is better and faster than the field that he'll face on Saturday. So he's a short price, but he's not a horse that I can find a whole lot of chinks in the armor because he's going to be better this time than he was last time, and he was still pretty darn good last time. Yeah, he he sure was with a, with a 98 buyer. Well, uh, let's try to just in a minute or so uh, try to look at uh, who maybe we play underneath uh, in the in the trifecta the, the lightly raced uh, bold envoy uh, the, uh, the highly touted over uh, time and has got more back class than recent class and that's chic of chics uh, mo cash javier castellano will pick that one up and it looks like he'll be part of that uh, speed scenarios but even though i don't think he'd stay with xy jet i think he could stick around certainly for part of the try I like his post, John, because XY Jet drew the rail, so I can go back to something I talked about earlier, and that is Mocash gets to flank XY Jet. Now, the question is, XY Jet's awfully fast, so if you flank him and he goes too fast up front, which he's liable to do, you're in a world of hurt. But if they try to rate XY Jet and get him to kick on a little bit better, Mocash can stay with him. He beat a nice field last time at Tampa. Now, he got a perfect trip from Antonio Gallardo. Go back and watch that race. That was a textbook ride by the leading rider in Oldsmar last time out. So... He's a good racehorse. He, he belongs in that field. Can he run with XY Jet on his A game? Probably not. But if he brings his B game, you better look out for Mo Cash. Okay. Well, I'm going to have him underneath because I have a hard time uh, uh, betting against XY Jet because it looks like he can spit out 43s and 44s in his sleep. Yep, that's true. <laughs> well, Pete, uh, uh, get ready to close it out. I, I'm sure you'll have a, a, an exciting week. Uh, you know, probably be some social events. People want to meet the track announcer down there. And uh, I, I hope you have a great time. You're going to have an outstanding day. And all I can say is I just love your race calls. And it, you don't know how many people I hear from saying, hey, man, your boy Pete, he's got his A game on. You know, he's like, uh, uh, he, you know, you're one of the best in the country right now, Pete. Well, I sure appreciate that. And from your mouth to God's ears that I can bring my A-game on Pegasus Day. That's the one day of the year you got to bring it. <laughs> All right. We've been talking with Pete Aiello. I wish you nothing but the best. Thanks for joining us here on Winning Ponies, Pete. My pleasure, John. You have a great evening. All right. Also, again, want to... Uh, Thank uh, Ron Paolucci, who's going to be one of the big players on Pegasus Day. And uh, make sure all you guys get tuned in for next week because that's going to be an amazing card at Gulfstream Park. And I'm sure I'll pull some handicappers out of my hat. So for Matt Widener, our producer, I want to thank Pete Aiello, Ron Paolucci. I'm John Engelhart. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. 
Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.